Welcome to the Trailer Cast with Elise Snipes. Each week, I will be sharing with you from inside my vintage trailer where I work as a therapist and share some of my musings on the human experience. I am endlessly fascinated and inspired by people. I love being a therapist and I'm deeply grateful for the intimate and beautiful work I get to do. I believe we are wildly capable of healing and making this world a better place, and this is my attempt at doing that. Sharing beauty to invoke beauty. May you find yourself inside these stories and ponderings and be better for it. Cheers. Okay, so some fun announcements. We are in the process, and I say we, that's <laughs> reference to my sweet husband who is helping me make a website. I'm going to be releasing a new website today, April 29th, and it is in reference to offering some new fun things. And I mentioned it last week, uh, weekends, groups, coaching. So I would love for you to check it out. It's elisesnipes.com. And I'll put that in the notes for this podcast, but I'd love for you to go and see what's kind of next for me and next for TrailerCast. Okay, one more announcement. There is only one spot left for our first weekend's experience. It's going to be June 8th through the 10th here in Dana Point, California. Um, please DM me, email me, get in touch with me regarding getting this last spot. It's going to be Friday through Sunday, and we're going to be looking at this idea of unlocking you. So it's all my favorite and best curriculum that I've created to help take you through understanding your past in your current experience and how that affects your future moving forward. It is super action-oriented and experiential. I think it's going to be a rad time together. So if you're like, uh, is this for me? Is it not for me? Email me and find out. I'm going to be doing a couple more. My hope is to do one in September, November, and then a bunch in 2019. But for right now, one spot left for weekends. Come talk to me and let's get you signed up. Um, I'm interviewing my friend today, Michael Hildalgo. And on TrailerCast, I typically stray away from a narrow faith experience because I don't, that's not what this is. That's not what this space is for. Like there's other podcasts for that. And I want anyone who's listening to feel like they can and they don't have to turn it off because it doesn't apply to them. And so I just want, like the, my whole motto is like sharing beauty to invoke beauty. And so I've been a little hesitant or shy to include a direct interview with a, let's just say like pastor, <laughs> because that's of a specific tradition. So I'm going to break my own rule today. And it's mainly because he's a friend. It's also because he's doing something really important. And he's affected my life directly. So in this last year, uh, I ended up leaving the church that I had attended since I was 15. And it was one of the most like, painful experiences, uh, specifically in regards to my faith, to feel a process of like excommunication, um, to feel like there were a lot of like coded or hidden stories or things going on, um, a lot of power grabbing, a lot of distorted thinking, uh, just a lot of like all the reasons why people probably don't go to church. And it's left this like sour taste in my mouth. And so I think I've 
been in, in process of wanting to find beauty and faith again and wanting to restore this idea of my experience in spirituality, faith, whatever that means to me doesn't have to mean the same thing for you. And in this process, there's been many voices who have continued to help me stay in a place that is soft rather than in hardening myself to being hurt by people that I had trusted for a long time. So long short of it, Michael Hildalgo, he's the pastor of DCC, Denver Community Church in Denver. And when I was going through this process of leaving my church, he sent me a text message and just said, you know, Elise, don't let them harden you towards the beauty that is still and will always be in God. And I don't even know that he knows how important that text message was because he's also been hurt by the church. And so as we've been dialoguing and going back and forth and what it means to um, experience the church, what's the difference between church and God, what's the difference between faith and spirituality, what's the difference between religion and spirituality, uh, why does the church hurt people and why does it suck sometimes, should people even go, is it even relevant, um, all these questions, right? And I think that there's something that Michael and I both can't seem to steer ourselves away from, which is regardless of how limited people can be, there is something beyond that that calls back out to me, back out to him, that keeps me seeking more of that greater than experience. So even in the face of failed church leadership, even in the face of people being people, God is still good would be how I would title like this season of experience. And so I wanted to invite Michael on to trailer cast just so that we can kind of have a behind the door look of what our conversations typically look like in regards to how to heal, um, how to forgive, why that's important in the body of Christ. And I want to invite um, like people who follow the Jesus tradition listeners, as well as people who don't, because there's room for everybody at the table that we're at right now. So if you, if you do profess yourself to be a person of faith or a Christian or however you're referring to it, then do listen in. This is a church conversation. If not, please listen in because the conversations that we're having are not only for the people that sit at that table. It is for everyone. So my hope in this is that you are going to think about what makes you question if there is something else out there besides your own direct experience. Is there something bigger? Is there something good? Um, if I just, I guess I want to like um, inspire curiosity or wonder or hope or something beautiful again because. Let's just get real. People are fallible and can cause harm. And when that happens in the church, it feels twice as painful because I think we suppose that those people are supposed to know better, but they don't because they're people. And that is what kept me out of the church for so long was mistaking people for the real deal. So in an effort to pursue what will always be good, true, and beautiful, I hope that you can set down 
some of the things that keep the barrier between you and what is greater than. If you have been hurt by a Christian, if you have been hurt by the church, if you have been um, excluded or left out of a faith experience, I am sorry. I'm sorry if you've been hurt. I am sorry if you have been unseen. I am sorry if you have been seen and asked to leave. I am sorry. And I'm saying that as much for you as for me. There is room for all of us. My hope is that we will continue to make room for each other and conversation is one way that we're doing that. So without further ado, Michael Hildalgo, my friend. Tell me who you are. Yes. <laughs> and what you do. <laughs> uh, so uh, my wife and three kids, we live in Denver, Colorado. Yep. And we get out to California as often as we can. Um, and I'm a pastor at Denver Community Church, which we have two locations downtown Denver. So an urban setting, urban congregation. And I've been there 11 years. Um and yeah, we, I think our, when it comes to our faith community, what we're really concerned about is how are, like, how are we living in a more expansive way? What are mm-hmm. the things that we're doing that are continuing to live in the ways of Jesus? Yeah. And what we found is you can quickly figure out what kind of person you're speaking to because people who are actively pursuing the ways of Jesus don't sit around and argue over theological minutia. Um, and that's... That's what we strive to do all the time. Okay. What about for people, I'm just going to go right to it, yeah. where like, Jesus is a word that's triggering. Yeah. Well, yeah, first I would say I understand probably far more than they know. I've gone through my crap with, with people who wear the label Christian. Yeah. Um, been treated horribly by people who claim to follow Jesus. Um, and what... What's interesting for me is while I can understand and have empathy, the one thing that's kept me in the realm of spirituality is, mm-hmm. in fact, the historical Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Michael. Because when I encounter right. him and when I see him, when I read about him, the more I learn, he was actually most upsetting to the religious, not to the people who, like today, would have a problem with his name. We have a knock at the door. I know we do. <laughs> That's Judah. All right, I'm going to send him. Okay, it's all good. Okay, so historical Jesus and what happens when people interface with either, I'm air quoting Christian, or people in the church, and not like the church universal, but like a specific church, and they're they're hurt. Yes. Asking for a friend. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I've been through that. I got thrown out of a church. Okay. Um... And I'll, I won't go through all the details, but okay. it was b- basically two people plotted against me. Were you on staff? I was on staff, okay. yeah. I helped start the church. Okay. Um, and one of the really helpful things that I did is rather than say, I've been hurt by the church, or screw the church, or I hate the church, or I'm yeah. done with the church, the church is faceless and nameless. The church is, at that point, buildings, bricks, mm. mortar. I had to say, I've been wounded by Dan, and yeah. I've been wounded by Rod. Yeah. And I have to work through forgiving what they did to me. So it's two individuals. Wow, um, okay. So what you're saying, there's like there's an, a point of injury, and that what happens is people then take it, yourself, myself included, and broad brushstroke that onto Christians, the church, yeah. um, faith, spirituality. 
Um, and so instead of doing that, take it right back to the actual point of injury. Mm-hmm. So you don't lose, don't throw the baby out, the baby Jesus out with the bathwater. Baby Jesus. <laughs> Was it the six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus? <laughs> yeah, and, and I understand it, it's not, I think part of the reason for the broad brushstrokes is that when Beth and I, Beth, by the way, is my wife, yep. for those who are listening, when we went through getting tossed out, yeah. the number of people who used to call, email, want to yes. hang out, want to have lunches was through the roof. And within three days, we were written off by everybody. Right. So there mm. is an injury. There is. By the church, by like a whole group of people who just forget about you overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the main injury was from these two individuals who caused it and allowed it to fester and grow and basically just planted like seeds of rumors all over the place. Okay. Um, so. But yeah, I think there's historically, when you look at the church over 2,000 years, there is so much evil and insidious things done. And yet there's also a lot of beauty. Um, Women's suffrage movement, civil rights movement, um, the abolition of slavery, all of that started coming out of the Christian faith tradition. And so to say, well, we're done with the church, I get it 100%, but I think we should be done with the crap part of the church. Also realizing we can can be those who add to... Mm -hmm. The negative legacy of the church. We all have that capability. Yes, we do. Um, but we also have the capability for what's true, good, and beautiful. So then broadening that... You, you, you said expansion at the beginning. So mm-hmm. expanding the idea of Christian or expanding our mm, the way that we interact with people, <clears throat> different people, all the time. Yeah. Um, in I think it's... Col- yeah, it is Colossians. Uh, it's still early. I've only been yeah, awake for like an I. hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's still early. It's 10.15 and I've been awake for an hour. I am on vacation. Um, There's the uh, verse in Colossians 3 uh, that says Christ is all and is in all, Mm -hmm. which would be pretty expansive. Um, (laughs) As a friend of mine says, the literal Greek, or the literal translation for the word all in Greek is all. all. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. And so, so often we have, we have our 11 things. Okay. One church has 11 things that we believe in. This is this is our statement of faith, so we're going to live and die on. That church has nine. Um, and so we have two more things than them that we need to be... And so what you're doing is you come to the text, you come to theology, you mm-hmm. come to Jesus, you come to your faith, and it's a way of closing things down. It's a way of boundary setting. And if Christ is all and is in all, um, if, as Aquinas said, if it's true, it's from the one Holy Spirit... Mm-hmm then actually we should be coming to the text to open ourselves up, to open the world up, to recognize that whether where we see goodness, where we see beauty, um, those things those things are of God. And it doesn't matter where we see it. And so I think that's, that's the idea of opening yeah. ourselves up to something uh, instead of closing ourselves down. Okay. Um, to people that are outside of the Jesus tradition, mm-hmm. that are maybe don't... Re- um, assume a specific faith tradition at all. Yeah. What do you, what would you say to them in regards to seeking something that is bigger than them? Yeah. Do it. Don't wear. Why? Books. Anything. Thought. Nature. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll say two things. First, I'm a part of uh, the Interfaith Alliance of Colorado. Okay. And one of the things I've learned is to to I think to. To be a part of any faith tradition, Christian, Buddhist, Sikh, Hindu, atheist, humanist, it really, really helps to hold what we believe with a great amount of humility. 
and not walk into the room thinking, I've got it and these people need what I have. Mm. Um, so that would be the first thing. And then I would say the second part is about pursuing something bigger. I'm willing to bet everybody listening is pursuing something bigger some way, somehow. And so if you're thinking like, well, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> um, there's a reason why we go to football games. There's a sure. reason why yes. we wear a jersey from our favorite soccer team. There's a reason why people leave the church and then find themselves um, going to a yoga studio four times a week yeah. and going out for a drink with their friends after. Mm -hmm. Or there's a reason why CrossFit's booming. Um, and that they always want... That yeah. You never meet a yeah. CrossFitter. With, what, you have to ask if they CrossFit. They always seem to just tell you how a CrossFit. You're like, oh, yeah. Mm, yes, you it. are. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I find it interesting. We're, we're always trying to find something bigger, a culture, a movement, a thing, a group of people. Yes. And so, yes, I would say pursue that um, and begin, just a first step, begin saying, why, why am I pursuing this? Why do I feel a need to go, um, you know, out to a club or out to the bar or out to a coffee house or to, why am I always wanting to get out? Right. Because when I'm alone too much, I feel myself wilting. Yes. And that, even just that question might be helpful of, yeah, figure, yeah. start asking those questions. Right. And that does feel like a good, healthy spot for starting. And, or maybe even people who have come into the church and left or people who are in the church and don't know why they're still there or mm -hmm. wh for whatever reason, maybe they don't even ask any questions. They're just there and they've arrived and that's, that's the end of their faith journey is now I just sit, come in, receive, leave, go. Yeah. Um, what am I doing here? What draws me to this place? Yeah. Cause the, when you were talking about that, I was trying to think about my, my first experience in faith tradition and what that meant and what, I saw something that I didn't have and I saw something that felt, it, it, I am experiential by nature, but I, I experienced something where I'm like, I have never had this experience anywhere else with anyone else. So there's connectivity. So I wanted to belong to something that felt like I didn't have words for at that time. Yeah. So now I might say that was a Holy Spirit. Um, or I might say that's big magic, or I yeah. might say that that's the just the jam. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It was just something that was rad, and I wanted to keep coming back for it. Um, yeah, and it's important to, you just went through, it might be big magic, universe. Yes. Words are really, really important. It's crucial. Language yeah. is crucial. Yes, and Abraham Joshua Heschel, uh, who was a Jewish rabbi, Gathered said, by his name. Yeah, you figured that out. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I didn't think you were going that direction. He said words create worlds. And so I think it is really important to to begin a process of naming. This is why I said, like, yeah. begin thinking about why you're there. Naming those things. Doing it without, um, without fear yes. of punishment. But he, just naming yeah. it and saying, this is what I think I'm about. This is what I'm connecting to. Um, that phrase as well, what he said, words create worlds is a very Jewish concept in general, right? Because mm -hmm. all they had was the oral tradition. And yes. so that idea, that language, not only am I going to tell you the story, but hey, that's your story. And now that's our story. And it is the story. So yeah. there's this idea of like that expansion, 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 expansion. Yes. Yeah. And my friend Paula always says, we don't dream in mathematical equations, we dream in stories, because we're narrative creatures. Absolutely. So right. we need I, the words, we yes. need the stories, we need to belong, we need something bigger. Well, we're drawn to it, mm -hmm. right? Like, I just had this um, sidebar experience at this women's conference at Rise, and I wasn't going to tell my story, I wanted to just tell people smart things, and just... <laughs> 
Binkley didn't. <laughs> told us. <laughs> told the story. My story. I'm that's... laughing out of identifying with that. I don't want to sound <laughs> yeah. smart. I don't want to be vulnerable. No, I'm, yeah. No, yeah. why would... No. Because then <laughs> they'll think I'm smart. Right. <laughs> uh, which is so much stronger than vulnerability. Not... Um, Okay, I'm going to ask you a personal question real quick, yeah. and it's a leading question. Um, and I'm going to, so my my lead is this: I believe it is important that Christians get along, not only for the people that are within that circle, but for people that are without that outside of that circle looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, recently, in the last year, um, I've been gone through the process of what feels like exile for yeah. my own church. Yep. Um, from people that taught me a lot about faith. Um, one of the most demoralizing experiences I've ever been to. And so my leading question, I know that you know my hist- this, this story, that yeah. story, that personal story. What I'm wondering is, wh- why would it be important for me to pursue forgiveness in the body of Christ? Yeah. Or do I have a right to feel justified um, in being angry? Yep. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. So those two questions are there. There's three there. Yeah. So I'll start here. One of the things that I have found helpful is we live in a world where we have a lot of people who are like anti-hierarchy. We don't want hierarchies, but what's interesting and what I'm currently learning is the universe is evolving based off growth hierarchies. So healthy hierarchy, mm-hmm. um, uh, Elia Delio, Cynthia Bourgeau, Ken Wilber, um, philosophers, scientists, writers, theologians, they call this um, holarchy. Have yes. you heard of this? Yes. So everything is a whole unto itself and a part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. So if you think about subatomic particles, a neutrino is a whole, a neutron's a whole, and yet it's a part of an atom. Yes. An atom is a whole. It's a part of a molecule, on and on. And so when you think about things evolving into greater complexity... It's the same with human development. And with what you went through, with what I've gone through, yeah. maybe a lot of the listeners have gone through, what's one thing that is true is that when as we look at human development, people who are further along in their development are often looked at by people behind them. Mm. And I know that sounds like a negative no, term, okay. but if we're thinking in growth yeah. holarchy, yeah. it's not negative, with a lot of fear and suspicion. Yes. And so you were met with a great deal of fear and suspicion yes um the trick is and this is now to your questions those who are further along often look back at those further back with a lot of disdain yes um and so then it's the anger because now you've been screwed by people that were back there you've been wounded by people who are back there um so you the the anger and forgiveness piece i would say two things absolutely we should be angry miroslav wolf who wrote the book Exclusion and Embrace, which is a great book, says the only safe place for pure, unattended, unrehearsed rage is before God. Just yeah. scream it Good. out. Write it out. Um, when I went through all this stuff with the getting kicked out of the church, I have journals that... like Oh, for I, sure. I've gone back and read them, and I'm like, oh my <laughs> goodness. But yeah, I think anger, it's, anger in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's a... It, it's a gauge on our dashboard saying there's something here. There's a need that hasn't been met. You need to yeah. pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Um, and as far as the forgiveness goes, the really crappy thing is when you forgive somebody and they don't care. 
You've done all this really hard work, work? Yeah. and they couldn't care less. Totally. But if you don't do that, you end up imprisoning yourself for mm-hmm. such a long time. Mm-hmm. So the one of the things I worked really, really hard to do was to forgive. The thing I overlooked was not only forgive, but also enter the process of healing myself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to forgive because then you are liberated from it. And you can actually walk away. And the 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 longer you walk in a liberated fashion, the more and more that now has no power over you. Yeah. And what happened has no power over you. And when you run into those people, which I'm sure happens, <laughs> you think that, that feeling in yeah. your in that starts like in your chest and yeah. goes down to your stomach of oh, it just gets less and less and less and less. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just ran into. I was actually in Israel of all places. I was in the desert in Israel, and I ran into like not one of, metaphorically, like no, you're like, <laughs> literally, physically, GPS mapped in the it desert is. in Israel, and ran into the guy, one of the guys that screwed me over at my church. It was hilarious, and I gave him a big hug. Oh, and one wow. of my friends who was with me was like, "I Dude. that was the weirdest." You, and he said, "You weren't even there was nothing about you." He said he was super awkward, but there was nothing about you. And I was like, "Yeah, it's been 14, 15 years now." Um, so time and distance work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Again, asking for a friend. So. Yeah. Right. I hope your friend finds this helpful. Uh, um, yeah. I know. And I, it's, I can tell when I'm in my like fullest self. And, and for me, that means that like a different level of consciousness that is inclusive of everyone. Mm-hmm. And when I'm there, then I don't feel any tether or connection of bitterness or anger yeah. because I feel like I see things as they are. And I see that, um, you said like people that were behind, but like the people who aren't there yet are, are limited mm-hmm. in their ability to hold all these things at one time. And then out of that sense of self-preservation, um, I, I do believe it's pure hearted, but there's this idea that, that I can't exist at the same time as their beliefs. And so they yes. have to protect that place, their beliefs, their leadership group, their whatever, mm-hmm. their legacy, their story. Yeah. And therefore, I have <clears throat> there has to be like some shade thrown or some shadow cast. Yeah. And the difference is again when I feel like when I'm like elevating to a place of like it's not about and it's not about me, then I don't take it personally. I feel like it's out. I see that I have compassion on that. Um, very binary concept of right, wrong, black, white, in, out. Yeah. And the challenge for me is staying there because then something will come up and I'm like, woo, that is the spot. So yep. I am. Yeah. So my release has been a slam poetry. Nice. <laughs> so <laughs> I went through, um, yeah. And the whole forgiveness process and this has happened multiple times, but you asked specifically about the church gig. Um, yes. I went through a pattern of, I forgive them. I would announce and pronounce forgiveness, sometimes out loud. And then like 20 minutes later, I'd be like, if I see them today, I'm going to rip their... <laughs> yeah. Okay, what would stop? Mm-hmm. And I would have to do... I, it was the <laughs> discipline of constantly announcing and pronouncing forgiveness. Yes. This is over and over and yes. over. I thought about this actually before we, we sat down the talk was an idea of 70 times 7. And that, yeah. that's not a literal 70 times 7. It's just an ongoing, continual, again, back to the idea of expansiveness, that um, forgiveness is in action. It is 
it is an action in action. <laughs> yeah. And I love the picture when you just said that sometimes seven, bringing it back to the historical Jesus. Like the power, the depth of soul that he had to possess while, while he's being crucified and being mocked and being tortured, he announces forgiveness and pronounces forgiveness on those who are doing it. And they don't stop anything. They keep, yeah. they keep the crucifixion going. They keep yeah. the torture going. And I think in those moments, for those who maybe you've orbited around the Christian tradition, maybe you're compelled by Jesus, maybe you're working through forgiveness, um, in those moments where you offer forgiveness and it's thrown right back in your face, or it's I don't care, or they keep doing what they're doing, and by the way, that does not mean if you're in a really unhealthy relationship, mm, you totally have to stay right, close to it. Correct. Um, but those are the moments where you're like, you, you're actually doing what Jesus did. Yes. And there is a pain in a, in a price, in a... Uh, but if you're able to do that, then you, you're practicing a deep depth of soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and the pain is knowing, like you were referring to some of these people, um, realizing some people will, they purposely or subconsciously will never move forward. And so having, like giving up that thing of like, I'm going to be the one that helps them see. Oh yeah. No, that's no, long probably, gone. Yeah. No, probably won't. <laughs> yeah. I tried, tried that. I tried that. Yeah. And I genuinely feel from a place of like humility, like a place of like, I, I accept you where you're at and, and yes. I have room for you. So much room for you. Do you have room for me? Was the question that I'd asked. Yeah. And that resounding no was what was painful. Because That's so it, painful. It's not, it wasn't a mutual yeah. choice or mutual experience. Um, now I see that that's it's probably one of the best things that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I want to ask a couple other just kind of general questions um, because this is this is outside of my typical zone on trailer cast. Yeah. On purpose because I am I was for fifteen years of my life had I wasn't I didn't belong to any faith tradition specifically. Okay. When I would watch the way Christians would talk or what they would do or what they were about, I wasn't interested. Yeah. Um, and so then making that transition <laughs> into not only becoming a Christian, but then becoming a pastor's wife and all that comes along with that, I still feel very sensitive about wanting to make sure that who I am and how I live my life and the way that I even to talk about or scribe faith isn't something that immediately makes it an us them relationship. Right. <laughs> So I don't usually bring it into trailer cast unless it's a way that I feel like if it's not going to inspire us to be in closer community yeah. or to inspire us to have like more beauty or more goodness or more, more growth or more, I don't even forgiveness, more yeah. something, um, then I'm kind of done with it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> yeah. So you can, so will you be a pastor forever? A teaching pastor forever? Uh... I try to take things year by year, and I don't say that jokingly, <laughs> somewhat jokingly. You know, here's what I here's what I perceive. So I have a, I have kids, 15, 13, and almost 8 years old. Okay. And in sitting with, especially the two older ones, in sitting with them, we, have a, we, we always say to our kids, hey, if there's something, like I've said to my son, if you want to smoke weed, drink alcohol, smoke cigarettes, sleep around, whatever it is, can you just talk to me before you do it? Can we just have a conversation here? Um, 
if you hear something at school and you don't know what it is, I don't care how miserable it sounds, you will not get in trouble. Come and come and talk to me and Beth. We yeah. want to have a conversation. And what I'm learning through that is the world that they're growing up in. This is not like a new the next generation. The world is entirely different than it was when I was in high school in the '90s. Um, so to answer your question, I don't know what it means to be a pastor in 20 years. Good, that's good. And that's so good. That's good. I'm always right. on the lookout for people yeah. in there who are 10, 20 years behind right. me to say, hey, first, let's hang out. Um, yeah. And it's not like selfishly, I want you to help me understand what's happening. Yes. Because you're way more dialed into it yeah. than I am. And if you can help me, uh, what I can do is I can impart some, some experience to you and you can build something that probably won't look like anything that I'm doing yeah. right now. But so yeah, for me, yeah. I hope to, I said to some friends the other day at lunch, um, more and more I'm seeing myself in a place of like human development. Um, I, I think that's good. And that, that's what I think it might be yeah. in the next 20 years and, and that, forever. And that might you might be doing the same thing. It might just be called human development in 20 years, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So my encouragement to you is going to be this. Yeah. You've, we've danced around the word vulnerability twice, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a punchline for you. Yes. And so my encouragement slash challenge is going to be this. Uh, radically step into that. Yeah. So what you do, what is visible and what is seen is already radical and transforming not only the like the church proper but Christianity, Christians, myself, my family included, my best friends included. Yeah. But there is not only what is seen but what is unseen, I feel like might be part of like your next phase. Mm. That there's an internal experience in your internal process or parts of you that might be in this next season. Hmm. So to offer not only what is seen, but also what is unseen to the world. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Boom. And thanks for having me. Absolutely, Michael. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. To connect with me, suggest a topic for the show, or ask a question from your own life you would like to have answered, email me at elise at trailercast.com. E-L-Y-S-E at trailercast.com. You can also see more on the TrailerCast website or follow me on Instagram at TrailerCast, where you can watch the renovation of my vintage mobile office and see more from behind the scenes. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. 